0: As we do every year, we're kind of kicking off the new year by looking back and remembering who we are. Because who we are as a church is what defines how we will behave, what we will do together, and how we will be moving forward. And so it's important for us to remember our mission. And you guys, since I already spoiled it and put it up there, this is our mission to know God and make Him known. And that's been the mission of this church since I arrived and and before, to know God, that we all who are in attendance come into a growing personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ, but that we also go out and make Him known through the gospel of Jesus to all the world around us. And, And we get that from the Great Commission, this commandment from Jesus to go out and make disciples of all nations by baptizing them and teaching them to observe everything that he commanded. And so that we don't think that only special, gung-ho, really spiritual Christians are the ones who should be doing this. You and I need to understand that every disciple is a Christian and every Christian is a disciple. And if we are disciples, we're supposed to be making disciples. We're supposed to be knowing God more intimately and making him known in the world around us. That is what it means to be a disciple. We're not just in this so that one day uh, when we die, we go to the sweets by and by, apple pie in the sky with streets of gold and a mansion. That's some of the benefits, the lanyard, if you will, the extras that we get as believers, but we are called to be different and living a godly life today. And excuse me, sharing the good news of Jesus Christ today. And so we want to make sure that as a church, we have our focus right every year. That's why first uh, few Sundays of the year, we focus in on this and remember what we're called to do, to know God and make Him known. And how are we going to do that? Well, we're going to look at what Jesus says and what it takes to be His disciple. He, he says to all of us, if anyone wants to follow after me or be my disciple, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, And Follow me and we take this verse deny yourself take up your cross daily and follow after him And we see in it a faith journey that every believer should be embarking upon If you want to be a disciple of jesus christ and remember if you are a christian, you are a disciple If you call yourself a christian, there is no yeah, i'm not ready for discipleship You are a disciple of jesus and you should be embarking on this journey first to deny yourself To change what you believe about life and godliness. to, To get rid of your old preconceptions and to take God's word and to believe differently. Then to move into a place of taking up your cross daily. Why did Jesus take up his cross? He took up his cross for the sake of others. He took up his cross in order to draw a people unto himself And Make them unified and so we take up our cross daily and we begin to sacrifice ourselves That we might belong to the body of believers and then following after him We reach out to others and we we begin to make new disciples as we mature And so this faith journey of believe belong reach multiply Is the the means by which our fellowship seeks to grow each and every one of us into fully mature followers of jesus christ who go out into the world and call others to become fully mature followers of Jesus Christ. It begins with that belief, that denial of self. We talked about it last week to begin the process of relying on God and His truth in order to completely reorient your life. And it is about believing and and, and new practices and new ways of looking at the world, new eyeglasses, if you will, through which to see the world around you. And it begins with things like worship, the the ability to to, to lift God up and give Him value in your everyday life, both through song and through study and through what you choose to eat for lunch and how you behave at bedtime. Prayer, beginning to trust in Him and His good graces and His love for us and, and submit ourselves to Him. Giving both to the church and to one another. Bible reading. And then believing rightly. We talked about last week, we can't just sit back and say, I believe, but that we get into God's Word and understand what we're to believe. That there are right beliefs and wrong beliefs and we want to be firmly, firmly camped out in the right way of thinking and believing according to God's Word. And So if you were to... Re- Re- recollect from last week these, these steps under the believe on the faith journey. First of all, to understand the gospel. We've got a great book out there in the foyer underneath the believe sign. It's uh, what is the gospel? You don't know what the gospel is? You don't know what it means to be saved? Start with that book. Once you understand the gospel and you understand you need a savior, trust Jesus. Turn your life over to him. And then start coming regularly. Show up every week if you can. Uh, average American, average Christian in America attends church 1.5 times a month. And you wonder, what is that .5 time? Uh, that's when they fall asleep, I think. But, but the, 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 the truth is, is that we're called to be together regularly, not just 1.5 times a month. We're not supposed to be average Christians. We should be Christ-like Christians. And so regularly attending, attending our Sunday services... Participate in daily moments of worship. Begin to change your practices in everyday life. Instead of turning on the radio to whatever station, finding a a, a station or a Pandora or a a Spotify station that's got worship music or got music that orients you properly, doing your devotions, making a prayer part of your daily life, reading your Bible regularly and intentionally, Uh, begin to learn and understand Christian doctrine in its totality we got another great book out there. It's, it's uh, called Christian Beliefs. And, and it can give you just this, this great scope of who God is and, and who you are in sin and salvation. The Holy Spirit. Lots of great questions. So believing is not just a, I stand here and go, I believe. But it is a process of reorienting your life around the truths of Scripture and beginning to live in a manner that glorifies God and falls in line with how He says we should be living as believers. And then practicing giving regularly. Now the, the, the next step is to take up our cross daily to belong to the, the community of believers that it's around us. And it's, it's about losing ourself for the sake of others and identifying with a new lay of life on a regular basis. If you have your Bibles, you can open them up to, uh, to John chapter 13 verses 34 and 35. John, chapter 13. Verses 34 and 35. It's also in the Bible app, so if you've got the Bible app, uh, open it up. You should be able to find everything that we're going through today. And oh my goodness, are we going to go through some stuff together? Um, All of it. And so John chapter 13, though verses 34 and 35, is Jesus' command to us, his people, regarding this, this concept of belonging to one another belonging to one another and to his people. Verses 34 and 35 of John chapter 13, here's what Jesus says. I give you a new command, love one another. Just as I have loved you, you are also to love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples, if you love one another. Jesus tells us, first of all, how many times does he say love one another here? More than once, right? More than once. There's actually one, two, three times in just this, these, these two sentences, these two verses. Jesus tells us to love one another. When Jesus says something once, he means it. And we should obey it. When Jesus says something twice, he, he really wants us to catch it. When Jesus says something three times, you better be listening. Because not only does he really mean it and he wants us to catch it, but it is critical to your life as a believer. And so, here in John 13, Jesus, the night before he's crucified, he's telling the, his intimate and closest believing disciples, he says to them, Here's what I want you to do. And because he commanded them, it applies to us as well, because they're supposed to be, remember, teaching us all his commands, and we're supposed to be following that and then teaching others his commands. So, this command applies to us. Love one another. Now, what does it mean to love one another? Well, love, when we look at love scripturally, when we understand what love is, it is about a self-sacrificing care and concern for the sake of someone else. It's not a warm fuzzy. We are not commanded by Jesus to walk into the room and just go, oh, I love all of you. In fact, Scripture doesn't say that that we will even feel good about one another, does it? It doesn't say like one another. It says love one another. Love is something that happens even when we dislike one another. Did you know that? You can wake up in the morning and dislike someone and still love them. Because love is not a feeling scripturally. Love is an action of self-sacrifice and giving for the sake of blessing someone else. And so Jesus says, love one another just as I have loved you. How did Jesus love us? Gave his life. He died on the cross for us. Now he rose again on the third day. He, he intercedes for us today. He's provided everything we need for life and godliness. What we see is that Jesus, in loving us, has given us everything. And he says to believers, love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. Now, this doesn't mean we necessarily need to go and and start crucifying folks just to show how much we love each other. But it does mean in the same way that Jesus was willing to sacrifice his very life to show love for us, we should be willing to sacrifice ourselves for the sake of one another in meaningful and real ways. And, and he says this, by this, by what? Our love for one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. He doesn't say everybody will know you're my disciples if you have great faith and you drive really nice cars and have spiffy suits and dresses. He doesn't say, everyone will know you're my disciples if you're perfect people who always do the right thing. He says, they'll know you're my disciples if when they walk into your midst, you love one another sacrificially. You care for one another in the same way that I've cared for you. Man, this is huge. He's not even talking about loving everyone out there. He's talking about just in the fellowship of believers. How will people know that we genuinely trust Jesus Christ? We love one another in the same way that he loves us. This, I, I hope you're in your heart and your mind and in your seat, there's a little bit of squirming and a little bit of shiftiness and a little bit of, oh my. Because modern church life has come to the point where it's not love one another, it is attend and look at somebody's, the back of somebody's head and hope the pastor says nice things and we enjoy the music. But real Christianity, real discipleship, a real follower of Jesus, this is supposed to be like the hub of what it means to love and care for and belong. It's what it's supposed to be. Is that a hard thing? Oh, yes. We live far away from one another. We have disparate lives. We're not like farmers on neighboring farms anymore. We're not like in the same little neighborhood taking care of one another. And so we really have to work at loving one another. But Jesus didn't say love one another unless it's really hard. And then you don't have to do this. He said love one another the same way that I have loved you. Love one another. So this is the command. To love one another to show the world our belief. You say you believe. And Jesus will say to you then love one another. The church that you're called to, and love the people in that church, and be willing to give of yourself for their sake. That's what Jesus would tell us to do. Now, when we look at that phrase "one another," and this is where we're going to go through it together. We are going to be on a journey. I want you uh, to—you maybe need to tighten up your boots, maybe you need to button up your jacket, maybe you need to comb your hair. We are going on a journey. Because we're going to look at some one another's. And, and this one another, what does it mean? It means each other. It means mutually. It means reciprocally. In, in other words, when Jesus says to love one another, this is not one person doing it for everybody. This isn't the pastor standing up front saying, I love all you guys and I'm going to care for you. and I'm going to do all the work. It is the whole community caring for one another mutually, and back and forth, and not one or two people taking and co-opting all the love, but everybody receiving because everyone is giving. This phrase, one another, it has about a 100 occurrences in the New Testament, 100 different occurrences in the New Testament. 59 of those are specific commands given to the church. And so Jesus first, he says to love one another, love mutually, reciprocating, like this big, beautiful Soup of love. That kind of sounds weird now that I said it out loud. So it, it, it was in my head, it was cool, but then it was like, no. Um, but, but, but you get the picture that, that, that it's to be overwhelming and everybody pouring together what they have and everybody receiving from it and needs are met that there are these, these loving one another, but there's also 59 other, well, not 59 other, but among those other commands about what it means to be together, to be one anothering. To be belonging to each other. And so the ones that are positive are, 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 are commands to are in green. The ones that are negative are commands not to are going to be in red as we go through. But we're going to look at, them at many of these verses. John thirteen fourteen. Jesus says, You also ought to wash one another's feet. Wash one another's feet. Now, the context of this is Jesus, on the night before he was crucified, the night he was betrayed, before Judas has actually betrayed him, he, he is gathering his disciples together for their last meal together. Nobody gets to do the, the or nobody plans to do the, the job that's necessary to wash feet as they come into the room, and, and uh, they don't plan for it, and so Jesus just picks up and he does it. He washes everybody's feet. Now, you go, why would you wash somebody's feet? Because they're wearing sandals. And it's dusty and it's grimy and it's gross. And it's actually a job reserved for some of the lowest level servants in a household. But here's the king, the master, the savior, the Lord of all creation. He gets down and it says that he kind of stripped down a little bit, wrapped a towel around his waist and then washes everybody else's feet. And then he finishes up, stands up and says, now you guys need to do the same thing for one another. Do you think he meant literally wash one another's feet? Sometimes. But by literally washing one another's feet, it's being willing to do the least job, the worst job, the stinkiest job in order to meet the needs of someone else in your fellowship. Jesus says, Wash one another's feet. Jesus, uh, once again, 34 and 35 of John 13, Love one another. This is the command. As He's loved us, love one another. They'll know we're His disciples because we love one another. John 15, 12, Jesus says this again, love one another as I have loved you. Do you think Jesus wants us to love one another sacrificially? He wants us to love one another mutually. He wants us to love one another by meeting one another's needs and genuinely knowing each other in a way that's meaningful and real. Do you think he means it? I do. Because he repeats it. He repeats it not just once and not just twice. We see it three, four, five times. This is what I command you, Jesus says in John 15. Love one another. No surprise there, right? Love one another. Romans twelve ten, Love one another deeply as brothers and sisters. Take the lead in honoring one another. Not only self-sacrifice and giving to meet the needs of others, but also honoring one another, looking around the room and making a choice to lift up other people, To, to count them as important, to encourage them, to help them to see their own value in Christ, to take the lead in honoring one another. Romans 12, 16, live in harmony with one another. Unless somebody takes your seat at church and then hate them forever. No, live in harmony with one another. Wait, no, unless we disagree about something doctrinally. No, live in harmony with one another. Don't be proud. Instead, associate with the humble. Do not be wise in your own estimation. Live in harmony with one another. Romans thirteen 8. Don't owe anyone anything except to... Love one another. Paul actually says we owe each other the debt as Christians of loving one another. And once again, this isn't about warm, fuzzy feelings. This isn't about just being nice to each other on Sunday mornings. This isn't about being like, oh, God bless you as you head out to do your own life. But love is about mutual sacrifice to make the lives of each other better. You owe that to other believers. You owe that to one another. Scripture goes on. Romans chapter 14, verse 13. Let us no longer judge one another. Oh, isn't it easy to judge? Right? And he's not talking about don't confront sin, he's talking about stop being petty, stop being extra. And, and and those of you who are like, extra, those of you who know, you know. Stop judging one another. Stop sitting in your seat and going, I'm, I'm really a better Christian than he is. I mean, look at that haircut. Uh, did you know that if there's hair on your ears, there's sin in your heart? Guys, guys, if there is hair on your ears, there is sin in your heart. Some of you old men like me, you got a lot of sin because it's growing out the side of your ears. That's judging people because their hair is too long, their hair is too short, because they they they're they're too heavy, they're too skinny, they're they 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 have the right clothes or the wrong clothes. That's not our job. Instead, it's to love one another, not to judge it, not to try and look at other people and tear them down for the sake of making ourselves feel better as a Christian. (laughs) Parents, we like to do this, don't we? Oh, my kids aren't that bad. Oh my gosh. Clearly, we're better parents than they are. Shelly, we've played this game a little bit from time to time, haven't we? Um, we struggle with it. I mean, our kids are bad, but they're not that bad. Um, thankful for that. Hallelujah, Lord. You have used us so mightily. We judge one another. We try and make ourselves feel better, don't we? Scripture says, let us no longer judge one another. Romans fifteen seven. Therefore, welcome one another, just as Christ also welcomed you. To the glory of God. Are you a Christian? Do you know how you got to be a Christian? Jesus Christ himself welcomed you into the very presence of the Father and said, I love you. I choose you. I call you in. You're ours. Just come here. Let me give you a big hug. He welcomed us into the family of God. We're supposed to welcome one another in the same way. With the same vigor. With the same passion. Welcome one another. Romans 15, 14, my brothers and sisters, I myself am convinced about you that you also are full of goodness. I trust that God's at work in you, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. We are supposed to be instructing one another as believers, love one another, accept one another, welcome one another, instruct one another. This is not just some sort of get-together, everybody-feel-good, lovey-dovey thing, but we're supposed to be teaching each other. And you might go, well, I'm not a teacher. I can't, I don't know how. I'm not smart enough. I haven't been a Christian long enough. Does it give any conditions there for excuse? No. Now, don't come up to the most learned person in the room and say, I've got something to teach you. If you don't know, but understand there's always someone in the room that you have the ability to teach and instruct Sometimes it's in the deep spiritual things and sometimes it's because you've been through a few things, right? Oh, I know the love of god. I've been through some stuff. Let me instruct you on god's love I may not know doctrine. I may not know all the ins and outs of the bible But i've walked through some garbage and let me instruct you on the love of god Let me instruct you on the redeeming power of jesus christ. I've been through some stuff I've made some bad choices. Let me instruct you. You, your words, your instruction, what you have to give matters to all of us. We should be instructing one another. Romans 16, 16. This is uh, amongst some of my favorites. There are four of these actually commands. Greet one another with a holy kiss. So let's do that right now. Not kidding. Wow! See, we all would go like, "What? No, um, we're not going to do that kind of." Stuff. But but do you understand that that first of all, this would not have been an uncommon greeting in this day and age, but it would have been a greeting that was fairly intimate in the sense of you didn't just walk up and kiss anybody and everybody, but you did kiss those with whom you were closest as you greeted them. Now, why is this significant? Because if, if, if we're told to greet one another with a holy kiss, what is the implication regarding our relationship to one another? We should be pretty darn close. We should be comfortable with one another. We should genuinely know each other's names well enough to where if we got kissed on the cheek, we wouldn't be freaked out by that weird stranger. And I actually knew a guy he was a biker. Well, he was a biker. He got saved. Then he still rode his motorcycle, but uh, he was not a biker any longer. And he said, when I was in the biker gang, he he was, there was a biker gang just down the street, had a clubhouse, blacked out windows, high fences. They were on the news about every month. When I was in the biker gang, every time I walked in there, do you know what my biker brothers did? They hugged me and they gave me a kiss. Sometimes right on the lips. And some of us, especially us guys, were just like, What? Uh. But his point was is that that even this pagan group of men loved one another and welcomed one another so much that they could kiss one another and say, Welcome home. I'm glad you're here. He promptly got up and kissed me right on the lips. It was the most uncomfortable moment I think I've ever had in my life. But I got his point, and I understood. I understood that we as Christians, we should be so close. When Scripture tells us to greet one another with a holy kiss, maybe we're not kissing, but we know each other well enough that if somebody did lay one on us, it wouldn't scare us. It wouldn't freak us out. But instead we'd be like, yeah, I love you too. Let's not do that again. 1 Corinthians 11.33, Brothers and sisters, when you come together to eat, welcome one another. Not if you come together to eat, when you come together to eat. This is specifically in regard to the love feast that would have surrounded communion in the Corinthian church. And that, that this church, actually every time they partook of communion, they didn't just have bread and juice, they had a full meal together. And Paul said, when you do it, welcome each other. Participate in one another's lives. 1 Corinthians 12, 25. Have the same concern for each other. In other words, he says, uh, so there wouldn't be any division in the body. Members, be as concerned about others as you are yourself. That when we look around a room of, of fellow believers, we're not supposed to just be like, hey, glad you were here. Maybe that means you're not going to hell when you die. But instead, that we genuinely have a concern for one another's lives akin to our concern for ourselves. 1 Corinthians 16, 20. Brothers and sisters, they all send you greetings. Here we go again. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This is twice now we've been commanded in Scripture to greet one another with a holy kiss. Once again, let's keep the heart of it without the actual smooches. But we should be so comfortable, so in love with, so connected to one another that a kiss on the cheek would not be something that would be offensive. That would not be something that would have us taken aback because we, we care for one another. Second Corinthians 13. Oh, here it is again. Greet one another with a holy kiss. Maybe we just need to start a committee, the, like the kissing committee. Who wants to stand at the back door and greet everybody with a kiss? Any, anybody sign up? Yeah, we... Keith? <laughs> oh, that's a no? Okay. Galatians 5.13, serve one another through love. Paul said, you're called to be free, only don't use the freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. In other words, you have the freedom to do anything you want in Christ Jesus. You are free from sin, and you can do anything in this life and still find redemption in Jesus Christ. But Paul says in Galatians 5.13, don't use that freedom in Christ for your own sake. But instead, realize you're free to serve others. Use your freedom to serve your brothers and sisters in love. Galatians 5.15, if you bite and devour one another, watch out or you will be consumed by one another. In other words, just as much as we are supposed to be building up one another, if we're not careful, we can eat each other up and ruin one another's lives. Galatians 5.26, let us not become conceited, provoking one another Envying one another. We're not supposed to provoke one another for funsies. We're not supposed to be envious of one another's lives, but instead rejoicing when God blesses each other. Galatians 6:2. Carry one another's burdens. In this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. What's the law that God that Christ gave us there in, in John chapter 13? love one another this is the command i give to you love one another what does it mean to love one another according to galatians to carry one another's burdens now it's possible to carry one another's burdens spiritually right in prayer in concern for one another but i think the apostle and i think the scripture really would have us not just to carry one another's burdens spiritually but to literally carry one another's burdens to literally Take the things that are heavy in one another's lives and seek to spread them out over all of us that we might Get through this life together Now, what does that look like? That means when somebody's car isn't running right and you know how to fix a car You help When somebody needs to to lift this you you join in and you lift when somebody needs food for for something you you prepare a dish you, you get the when there are needs, you meet those needs. You carry burdens, both in prayer, but actually doing something, brothers and sisters, like for real, not just I'll pray for you. That's nice, but really do something. Ephesians four two with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing one another, bearing with one another in love. We're supposed to be patient with each other. Ephesians 4.32 Be kind and compassionate to one another. So we're supposed to be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving one another, just as God also forgave you in Christ. This should be a community of forgiveness. Not where we're keeping ledgers of all the things that somebody has done that we dislike. And I know some of you got lists for me, and that's cool. Please forgive me. Erase your list. I'm not keeping lists on you, I promise, except for a couple of you. But... No. Look, we're supposed to be forgiving one another. Why? Because Christ forgave us. We are forgiven. We should forgive one another. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgive one another. Ephesians 5.19. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. You guys, we're supposed to be sharing songs of life together. And not just faces pointed one direction together, but it's speaking to one another. Now, it seems a little weird to us. Somebody walks up to you and, Lord, I lift your name on high. Come on, sing along with me. Lord, I love to sing your praises. But you know what? Maybe that's what we need for the day. To really get in each other's faces and encourage one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. In fact, we're commanded here to do it. To, to, to encourage one another, to get in each other's faces and, and sing together, submitting to one another in the fear of Christ. What does it mean to submit to someone? Well, this word, it's kind of a military word. It means to fall in line behind them. Now, wait a minute. If everybody is falling in line behind one another, what do we end up? Well, we end up with this big, beautiful, circular, kind of like mamba line where we're all just doing it together. And it's great as we submit to one another in love. And out of the fear of Christ. Colossians 3.9. Do not lie to one another. <laughs> no explanation is necessary. Don't lie to one another. Now, how do we lie to each other? Sometimes we lie when we walk into church and somebody says, how was your week? Fine. Fine. How are you doing today? I'm great. How are you? Shut up and leave me alone. I mean, honest, that's, that's how we, we can lie to one another. It's just, just by being not intentionally deceitful in the sense of, of, of saying, I want to lie, but rather just simply not being honest about where we're at. Don't lie to one another. Colossians 3:13. Bearing with one another. In other words, being patient with one another. Forgiving one another. There's that forgiveness once again. If Scripture says it once, it means it. If Scripture says it twice, It really wants us to get it. As Scripture says something three times, wake up! You should be living this out if you're a faithful believer in Jesus Christ. Colossians 3.16 Teaching and admonishing one another. We are supposed to be teaching. Remember, what what did it say earlier? Instruct one another. We're supposed to be teaching one another. Admonishing. What does it mean to admonish? Well, it means to, to not encourage so much as to point in the right direction. Hey, I, uh, I see you're maybe just a little off course here. You should point this thing in the right direction. I can think of admonishing when I was teaching our oldest how to drive. Or actually, he already knew how to drive, but I'd have to ride with him. And I would be in the passenger seat, and I would spend much of my time in the passenger seat admonishing my son. And it was usually, you're too close to the ditch. Hit the brake sooner. You know, I mean, the, the ride that the, you're, you're going the wrong direction F- fix this before I die. That's kind of what admonishing is. Not so much just encouraging, though admonishment can be encouraging, and not condemning and not hateful, but hey, you're going the wrong direction. How about you fix that? So we are supposed to be teaching and admonishing one another, and it says it again through psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to God with gratitude in our hearts. 1 Thessalonians 3.12, May the Lord cause you to increase and overflow with love for one another. Should we be loving one another? Yes, to the point where it increases and we overflow with it. First, excuse me, First Thessalonians 4, nine, Love one another. 1 Thessalonians 4.18 Therefore, encourage one another. This is what we're supposed to be doing. This is what church is about. This is what it means to be a believer. Is to come into fellowship and do these things together. 1 Thessalonians 5.11 Encourage one another. Build each other up. Help one another be successful and strong and full of courage. Hebrews 3.13, encourage each other when you feel like it. No, daily is actually the scriptural command. Encourage each other daily. Now, we start by the people. We have an immediate sphere, oftentimes our family, those we see on a regular basis. But but we should be working to encourage our church family on a regular basis, even to the point of daily. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, watch out for one another. Uh, Many of us remember uh, when Cain says to God, am I my brother's keeper? And how might God respond to us if we ask the same question today? Yes, watch out for each other, encouraging each other, not forgetting to gather together. That passage says in Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, James four 11, don't criticize one another. Our job is not to tear one another apart, but to encourage, to build up. Do not complain about one another. Oh, wow. Yeah, we live that one real well, don't we? Don't complain about one another, brothers and sisters. In this fellowship, in this church, we're called to be together, united, building each other up, loving one another, sacrificing for one another, belonging to each other, and not complaining about each other. James five sixteen Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another. Confess your sins. Be willing to be broken. Be willing to be f- fragile. And real with the people in our fellowship. 1 Peter 3 8, love one another. 1 Peter 4 8, maintain constant love for one another. 1 Peter 4 9 and 10, be hospitable to one another. In other words, welcome each other into your own homes and provide for the needs of one another. 1 Peter 5 5. Clothe yourselves with humility toward one another. Be humble toward each other. First Peter five fourteen. Oh, here we go again. Greet one another with a kiss of love. That's even better. It's not greet each other with a holy kiss. Peter, remember the others were Paul speaking, writing to churches. Peter writes and says, Greet one another with a kiss of love. I mean, he's, he's getting even more creepy. But you understand, it's because... Our fellowship together, it's, it's not about the creepiness, and so don't hear me there. Of course, we all, you know, have, have pictures of abuses of, of spiritual truth, and we're not looking to abuse it here, but what we are looking is to apply it properly in our context, which is we should care so much for one another. We should love each other so much as a church that it would not be a complete freak out if somebody kissed one another. Get ready for it. Is that what I just heard somebody say? Yeah, Justin's going to give me a boo. Just not on the lips, man. I, it, or shave before you kiss me, because that's weird too. Oh, facial hair to facial hair is all wrong. All right. It's like if you're a guy and you wear shorts and you sit beside a guy with shorts on and your legs brush. Isn't that the worst feeling? Right, ladies, maybe you've got things like that too, but let's not go into detail. Anyway, 1 John 3.11. We should love one another. Now, I, scriptures, scriptures just so clear on these things, right? First John three twenty three, love one another as he commanded us. First John four seven, let us love one another. First John four eleven, we also must love one another. Once again, this is all John the apostle writing. What do you think he wants us to understand about our relationship to each other? Love one another. Love one another. These one another's, they are so critical to who we are as Christians, which is why we are supposed to be belonging. Our, it starts with believing on Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, reorienting your life around the truths of Scripture, and then genuinely belonging to a fellowship of believers. And it's more than just attending on a regular basis, which is a good start, but it's about genuinely, emotionally, spiritually belonging. First John 4, 12, love one another. 2 John 5, love one another. We see this command over and over again to love one another. Here's here's where we go. We're wrapping up this morning. The fellowship of believers, what we have right here this morning, the belonging, all these one another's, it's found in the church and it's critical to being a maturing disciple of Jesus. If you say you are a Christian, you are a disciple. And because you are a disciple you should be growing in ever deeper connections to other believers on a regular basis. To where all of these one another's that we've gone through, all of them, become more and more true in your life as you walk in that door and participate in the life of the church on a regular basis. All of those one another's. The loving one another, the encouraging one another, the not judging one another, the forgiving one another, all of those should become more and more part of your every week and day life as you grow as a believer in Jesus Christ. And the only place you're going to find those things are right here, belonging to the local church. Some things to understand about our culture, that only 21% of self-identified Christians believe that spiritual maturity requires a vital connection to a community of faith. In the American culture, only 21% of people who say they're Christians believe that they need to be part of a church in order to mature spiritually. After going through all of the one another's, first of all, do you think that we should be part of a local fellowship? I would hope you would say yes. That you would understand that one another is critical to your life as a believer. And not only is it critical to your life as a believer, but it's how you will mature as a disciple of Jesus Christ. But our culture says that's not true. That we can all just do Bible study at home and it's okay. Or we can, we can just watch stuff online. And while those are good things, those don't grow us up. The way that God designed us to grow up. 56% of Christians feel their spiritual life is entirely private. Now you might be one of those 56%. And what that means is you have a concept that who you are in Christ matters only between you and him. But I hope you understand that scripture has shown us repeatedly and Jesus himself commands of us that our spiritual life is critically entwined with the lives of others. And we're supposed to be loving one another and serving one another and forgiving one another and encouraging one another and that our spiritual life is intimately and critically wrapped up in the spiritual lives of others. 82% 82% agree that friends should challenge each other, which is an interesting dynamic, isn't it? 56% say it's private, but 82% say we should be challenged by others because we understand the truth. We need other people to help us grow as believers. But the sad thing is, even though 82% agree that we should challenge one another to grow, only 40% of, Christi- or, excuse me, 40% of Christians are not involved in discipleship of any kind. In other words 40% of believers are so disconnected from every other believer in their life that they are not maturing spiritually. And if that is you, if you would look and go, yeah, I feel like God is distant. I feel like I just don't belong or my faith it's it's real but but man it just doesn't impact every aspect of my life. Dive into church, dive into belonging, dive into the discipleship process, this faith journey with us, because we want to see you grow, and we want to grow together, but it requires all of the one another's being genuine and real and lived out in all of our lives. Only 18% of, the Christian, of Christians agree with the statement, you cannot become a complete and mature person unless you belong to a community of faith that influences you. In other words, only 18% of Christians think church is critical, but 100% of the teachings in the New Testament tell us that fellowship with other believers is critical to our maturing in faith. Critical. In fact, it's not even a question. When we see in the New Testament, churches used to get together every single day. Now, we would struggle to do that, wouldn't we? And we're not saying that's how it has to be, but we're saying at times in the life of the church, that's how it has been. And we watch how the church explodes and Christianity takes hold and changes the world. And so if we look back and say, that was a good thing, shouldn't we look at where we are and say, maybe we can't be like that, but let's get as close to it as we can. Let's be together as often as we can. Let's be as connected as we can be. Maybe we're not kissing each other at the door, but let's have a love for one another to if somebody threw out a kiss, Justin, it would not be so freakish that we would all be like, what? No, because we genuinely care. Christians in discipleship community, according to Barna, are more likely to feel re-energized by time spent with Jesus and derive deep joy and satisfaction from their relationship to Him. George Barna is a a pollster, does surveys. That's according to Barna. This is the truth. Christians in discipleship community, Christians in regular fellowship, Christians who belong to one another are more likely to feel re-energized by time spent with Jesus and derive deep joy and satisfaction from their relationship to Him. You feel like your faith is, is, is weak. You feel like you, it doesn't apply to every day of life. Get involved in the lives of other believers and you will find new energy and deep joy and satisfaction in your own walk with Christ as you walk with other believers. Take up his cross daily. Belong. To lose yourself for the sake of others and identify with a new way of life, this one another life. And what does it look like? Faithful engagement in the church. And that doesn't mean like you have to be here every time the doors are open for every event, but to begin to see how can I give myself, how can I really belong more to these people, not this place. I'm not asking for people to clean toilets. I'm not asking for people to shovel snow. I'm asking for you to give yourself to the other person that's around you. For you to be willing to love them like we're commanded to be engaged to find accountability relationships to understand your place in the body we're all gifted to serve we're all gifted to teach we all have things to give to the church around us so this this step this step in the faith journey the belong step as it's expressed in the foyer some things that you can do to grow in belonging number one understand the importance of church if you're struggling with understanding why is church even important to life read Rediscover Church. Talk to other people. Follow Jesus in believer's baptism. If you're saved and never been baptized and you feel a little distant from his community, come get dunked. And what does dunking do for you? It is your public profession that Jesus is your Lord and Savior and you are willing and ready to be accepted into the community of Christ and belong not only to Jesus, but to all the believers around you. And so I'll, I'll run water for next Sunday if anybody's ready to get baptized. That might be your next step in belonging to this church. If you've been baptized and, and, and you, you have followed after Jesus and you're ready to belong, maybe it's time for you to become a church member. Maybe it's time for you to go ahead and fill out the membership application to tell the elders your story of salvation, to turn it in and say, I, I want to belong and be a church member. I, wanna, I want my vote to count. I want my voice to count. And I want you to hold me accountable to the spiritual life. How else can you belong? Regularly attend a, su- a small group or a Sunday Bible school class. It's great when you're here to hear a sermon, but you don't get to ask questions. Anybody got questions right now about something I've said this morning that you could ask if you were given an opportunity? Anybody? Well, you might not. I know a couple people might. And if you do, you, can't, you don't have an opportunity, do you? We, we don't pause in the middle of the sermon and go, Hey, I got a question. Guess where you can do that? Small groups and Bible studies. And then to begin working to find a place to serve. Our church needs everyone who's here to serve each other in some form or fashion. Whether it's sending cards, teaching Sunday school, leading a Bible study, providing the nursery, leading in worship. So many opportunities, providing food to serve and show one another love and hospitality. So, all that to say, I want to encourage you to genuinely belong here. To make this year a year where you don't just take church as another thing in your life, but you understand as a disciple of Jesus, it should be one of the top things in your life. Hebrews 10, 24 and 25, once again, reminds us of this. Let us watch out for one another. To provoke love and good works, not neglecting to gather together, as some are in the habit of doing. In other words, we want to continue to get together regularly, to practice the one another's. Encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day approaching. So join us on a faith journey this year. If you're still in the process of belonging or believing, I want to encourage you to read, to study, to understand, to make that profession of faith for Jesus. To trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. And once you do that, everybody else, you've made that profession of faith, maybe it's time for you to belong in a new and exciting way. For you to serve in a way you never have. For you to attend faithfully in a way you haven't in maybe a number of years. For you to say, I'm going to belong here. And maybe even start talking to other people in church. (gasps) I know, it's hard. I get it. I'm a little on the introverted side myself, and I think you guys understand that, that sometimes it really sucks the life out of you to walk up to somebody and say hello. I get that. I am not an extrovert where it's like, I love talking to everyone. But, but I seek to give of myself as often as I can, as fully as I can. And so I ask the same of you, to really begin the process of genuinely belonging. Following after Jesus and believers' baptism, once you've been baptized, to, to choose to belong to us as a member. And then to begin to look for your place where you can reach and multiply. I went longer than I meant to. I thought I'd wrap up a lot faster. Lots of one another's, though. As the worship team comes up, I just wanted to, to, to invite you to consider how do you need to belong to this fellowship? And maybe you look around and go, well, this church just doesn't fit me. Then find a church that does. Follow the calling of God. But, but others of you are like, this is my church. Good. Then let's... Make this your church this year, like really and fully and all the way. And some of you might be online, you're watching online thinking, well, but I like my bed better. I get it. The chairs aren't as comfy as the bed. But come along. We need you. Everyone here today, belong regularly. Belong fervently. Love one another. Serve one another. Honor one another. Forgive one another. Because we belong to each other. Because of the work that Christ has done in our lives. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for today. We thank you that you have given us a new identity. Sons and daughters of the Most High. And that we no longer belong to the things of this world or or to sin. But instead we belong to you. And as we belong to you, we also, according to your commands, belong to one another. We are supposed to be loving one another. Submitting to one another. Giving of ourselves as fully as we are able stepping out and and becoming more like you, Lord Jesus, giving of ourselves in love. And so this morning, I pray that you would lay on our hearts how you would have us become more connected to one another. I pray that conviction would flow into the lives of those of us who have been struggling with, with being faithful to the church that you've called us to. I pray that we would we would not find peace if we're not with one another. Father, I pray for those who are struggling because of fear or past hurts and that the one another's are difficult because of of what people have done to them. I pray that they would be bold enough to love once again. That they would be brave enough to step out and give of themselves once again that they might have the opportunity to find true joy and true life in fellowship with other believers. And Father, for those who are just uncertain, I pray that you would continue to speak through your word, that they would hear the one another's ringing in their mind this week and that you would give them a next step. Whether that's baptism or belonging in membership or just simply committing to being more open and more faithful in belonging to this body on a regular basis. Guide us, direct us, and grow us up as true disciples of our Savior Jesus. It's in His name we pray this morning. Amen. Let's sing together.
1: darkness tremble Jesus, Jesus
0: one who can revolutionize our lives by faith in him has called us to love one another he's called us to belong to one another in order that we might grow all the more to look like him And so just challenge you, encourage you this year, find every opportunity you can to belong to one another to love one another to believe and belong on this faith journey together God bless you all. Have a great week. We've got Bible studies Wednesday night, Thursday night. Encourage you, men who might be interested in that Bible study Thursday night. We've had some great studies. Uh, and I know the ladies are too in Romans. We're still in 1 John, guys. So you could come and join us. And then youth groups Thursday night. Men's breakfast next Saturday, all you guys. Kimchi Saturday. And uh, God bless. Have a great week. Was there something else? Oh.